Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode three. Uh, I'm Russell. And I'm Kevin. And this is My Movies Better. This is a podcast where I pick a movie for Kevin. And I pick a movie for Russell. And then you guys pick a movie for both of us, all of which we have not seen. And then it's a different theme every week. This week's theme that Kevin picked last week is... Dystopia. Yeah, movies of crazy other verses and, and, and just... Things are just bad. It's not a yeah. utopia where everything is no. wonderful. Nope. That'd it's... be a really boring movie. Everybody's just happy and dancing through. It would be the sound of music. Yeah. Actually, that's a pretty sad movie too, yeah. though. When a lot of utopian <laughs> stories turn out to, to be, be like dystopian. a closeted dystopia. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so tonight's movies are Terry Gilliam's Brazil from 1985, uh, Some Guys J- Dread from 2012. Dread. I forget who directed it and the other guy peter wilkins or something who directed punishment park yeah those are our three dystopian movies for we're tonight. gonna get into them and we hope you enjoy our uh breakdowns and and things we love things we did not love and tune in to see whose movie is better uh without further ado here's the uh sweet intro music that kevin made just for you with love so fucking enjoy it adventure <laughs> excitement <laughs> frankly my dear i don't give it you can't handle the butthead i am the father just stand on it i guess long as she can i love this fellow mrs hogwall you're gonna need a bigger boat come with me if you want to live see what happens lebowski you see what happens you got the wrong guy i'm the dude man your name's lebowski lebowski how do i look bring out today welcome to So, the movie that I picked for Russell this week is the 1985 drama and science fiction film Brazil, directed by Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame and starring Jonathan Price, Robert De Niro, Michael Palin, and Kim Greist. Um, this episode, this movie, is brought to you by the Resplendent Prana Castle podcast. Go check it out. It's like a story podcasts it's kind of hard to explain but it's cool kind of like old-time radio stuff uh, a friend of mine does it it's really cool let's go check it out it's on itunes and everything and uh without further ado this is the trailer for brazil do you wake from your finest fantasy to return to your daily nightmare. Is your mother about to look younger than you do? Does the woman of your dreams I love you. In my dreams, I love you. Still have a few doubts? Then it's time to take a stand. To break out of your dull, humdrum life and into 
Brazil. You're so pleased. You could make it quite this way. It's about rights of fantasy and the nightmare of reality. We're all in this together. Terrorist bombings. I don't think it involves anything unsavory. Hey, trust me, Jack. And late night shopping. <laughs> True love. You don't trust me? Trust you? Trust you? The man who hijacks my truck, loses me my job, has every security man in town looking for me? Of course I trust you. I was only trying to help. Yeah. And creative plumbing. There's your problem. Can you fix it? No, I can't. From Terry Gilliam, director of Time Bandits, Jonathan Price. Sam, what are we going to do with him? Robert De Niro. I came into this game for the action, the excitement. Go anywhere, travel light, get in, get out. Wherever there's trouble, a man alone. Catherine Hellman and Michael Palin. We've always been close, haven't we? Yes, Jack. Until this all blows over, just stay away from me. Brazil, it's only a state of mind. We're all in it together, kid. All right, so Brazil. Yes, the yeah. the movie, the country, the, the mo- song. Yeah, sometime in the nineteenth century. Yeah, probably around nineteen eighty four. <laughs> wink, yeah. wink. Everybody's white. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> very. There's... Everybody's British and yeah. white. Well, actually, no. There's one American, at least two Americans. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro and, and Kim Greist, who plays. The love interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, I would describe this movie as Terry Gilliam's madcap version of 1984. Right. Um, it's, obviously since the theme, it's part dystopian, but it's also sort of a comedy film. Mm-hmm. Um, and overall, it's a very, it could, it could also fit in the dreams and madness category because it's also a very dreamlike strange film in that way yeah um so it's i guess it's about a, a bureaucrat who works in uh well not in for information retrieval that's later i forget where he works first but he's in he's basically a, a pencil pusher yeah. at this government institution everybody needs to fill out a form to literally do anything. To do anything. To, like, wipe your yep. own ass. You need to yep. fill out a form. And, yeah, and he lives in these block-style apartments mm-hmm. that are sort of like... It, I don't know. It, I keep coming back to 1984 because it's sort of like what somebody would imagine our future would be like in the 1980s, mid-1980s when right. this movie was made. Um, so he's surrounded by lots of circuitry, wiring, and there's there's ducks and, like, uh, I don't even yeah. know how to describe them. There's, like, circular... We're, t- know, we're talking about ducks HVAC. in the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quack tea. Yeah, um, like everywhere in the movie, their yeah. their the air is in, in heat is in cold. Magnifying glasses too. Yes, that's a yes. huge thing. There's a lot of big magnifying mm-hmm. glasses. And a lot of yeah, tiny screens with gigantic magnifying glasses. Right. You've seen Honey I Shrunk the Kids, obviously. Oh yeah, of course. It's pretty much how every little bit of tech that he has at home to like toast his own toast and and right, and, right. Put his own robe on or whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie has a lot of that. A lot of yeah. automated things. Yeah. Like he wakes up in the morning, his coffee starts pouring itself, the shower starts, and the thing right. that 
block the bathtub. Right, and he has to, uh, there's the whole thing with how they have to change, they don't ever explain it, it's just the visual gag of whenever he has to use the phone, you have to plug in specific uh, plugs into the phone to make it work, and he's always, there's a couple scenes where he's trying to find the right one. Um, But yeah, so in the office he works in, uh, there, it's this... um, Visual sight gag, I guess you could say, of a lot of the guys uh, are watching cowboy movies instead of working all day. Yep. And then every time the the director, who was played by Serene Holm, a.k.a. Bilbo Baggins, yep. uh, opens the door. Uh, Old, older Bilbo Baggins from the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, 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 correct. Not correct. young Bilbo yes, Baggins from uh, Not, um, English office Martin, uh, whatever. Yeah. His name is no, but I, we're not saying he's not important. He's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just not. This him. is he's just not Syrian Holm, who is yeah. an amazing actor. Um, and so uh, he also seems to have some sort of. He has a very very close relationship with this guy. I think he's Mister Krautman or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Holm, and uh, he's like the guy that fixes his computer <laughs> whenever yeah. it breaks and figures out stuff for him. And so he also has a uh, a wealthy mother, and right. his father was some sort of politician or war hero. They never quite get into it, but uh, and uh, the mom can kind of shift and move anything going on in this right, like, right, this world pretty much with a snap of her fingers, right. And and she's part of this elite that, and you see this. There's many times this happens in the movie. This the elite classes in the movie are completely desensitized slash oblivious to the violence that goes around around them. Right. Like in the scene where they're having lunch or whatever yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden a bomb goes off and they all they like bring in one of those like <laughs> oriental screens and put it behind them and like they're all yeah. just they're just acting like nothing's gone wrong when all this chaos is happening behind them. That's a, a major plot point to this movie is yeah. there's a lot of terrorist attacks happening and it's pretty much just bombings uh, right, uh, happening right. and, and tech stores and, mm-hmm. and it's just like I guess to go against the system of paperwork, pretty much. Right, exactly. Seems to be the main exactly. focus of this movie. Um, so yeah, and he's uh, also having these strange dreams, which a lot of people, I heard one of the big criticisms of this movie is that they didn't understand the dream scenes until either halfway through or the end of or after they had seen the movie, mm-hmm. what the fuck was going on. Because basically it shifts from him being this bureaucrat in an office in a very technological type world to him wearing this massive suit of armor, walking through some sort of maze, and he has wings and And like... like super saiyan hair. mm Mm-hmm. And he keeps (laughs) dreaming of this particular woman um, Mm -hmm. who's his dream woman. And so... Uh, so you also have Michael Palin, as I said in this in this movie. He's uh, of Monty Python fame. He was um, he plays sort of another friend, so so to speak, in the uh, in this department that he works at. Um, and uh, that's basically the the main. Oh, and Robert De Niro. So the way that bottle this and bottle. yes, yeah, the, the way that bottle. this really starts to kick off is the the way the movie really starts. I believe before, I think it's even before it introduces Sam, our protagonist, um, you see this thing of a paperwork mistake where a man named Tuttle mm-hmm. is accidentally typed in Buttle, mm-hmm. and then you see a man and his family on Christmas, and may I remind you, Brazil is a fucking Christmas movie, even though it doesn't mention it at all, barely. 
any movie that takes place on Christmas is a it's Christmas, a Christmas movie. Yep. Bruce Willis doesn't just because he's the star of Die Hard get to dictate whether or not Die Hard was exactly. a Christmas movie. It's not his movie. He didn't make yep, it. Yep, yep. If you use <laughs> Christmas as a backdrop for the whole movie, it's a Christmas movie. We're talking Brazil. Right. We're talking Die Hard. We're talking <laughs> Gremlins. Exactly. We're talking Gremlins again. Home Alone 2. Ho- yeah. Those are Christmas movies. Shut up. You can shove it up your ass if you think otherwise. Exactly. But so, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's Christmas time. There's this family in, you know, some tenement block. And all of a sudden, as they're all sitting around having a nice Christmas evening or whatever, mm-hmm. all these fucking SWAT-style stormtroopers smash in through the windows and the door. And uh, they put the... It's, it's pretty har- harrowing when it happens. Um, it put the husband in this... St- straight jacket thing that you hang from with like chains yeah they cover his face yeah it's really it's really scary looking and uh they wheel him out and then this bureaucrat comes in and gives her a receipt for her husband yep um makes her sign a couple forms right and so this this becomes a thing that that gets kicked over to sam's department and sam has to deal with it run by mr kurtzman yep kurtzman there you go uh who specifically is the re- reason why this whole Tuttle and Buttle thing keeps happening. Because right. the man who was arrested was what? Buttle? Yes. But we're looking for Tuttle. They're looking for Tuttle. Who exactly. we learn is, down the line. What is Robert De Niro. Right. He's, yes. We'll get into him in a sec. But so, yeah. So, he, uh, in trying to figure out this situation, Sam kind of takes charge. He asks him, uh, uh, asks him for help, and Sam kind of takes charge in it. He's going to go. They have a check now, and and the boss is really scared. And they have to figure out what to do with the check. Mm-hmm. And the check is a reimbursement because they paid too much for the services that were rendered to them. And the movie tells you right at the beginning that this is a thing about this world. Mm-hmm. When you get arrested in this world, you get charged with the bill for arresting you. Right. So this is, they charge them too much and they're sending back some money. So he goes to the wife. And tries to give her, get her to sign the check and the release forms. Um, and she understandably freaks out. Her son, her attacks, young son yeah. attacks him. Yep. I actually think this happens way after the... the uh, Before he, after he meets De Niro? Yeah. Um, I think you're right. You're probably right. But I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. We don't, we're not, we don't we, have to we go from in, beginning yeah, to the end of the movie. So, we can just talk so, about stuff So yeah, De Niro, De Niro comes in rather soon in the movie. So I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, Sam comes home one night and and the heat is no, the heat is completely too high. I yeah, the air conditioning is right. Air conditioning right. not working, but it's like deathly hot. Right. So he calls the only brand that we'll have in this movie, uh, Central Services, mm-hmm. which is the state-run heating and cooling guys, and uh, leaves him a message that he's having an emergency and they need to come right away, and. He, I believe, he gets some message back that that oh, it's a, I think it's an automated message that uh, it's gonna be a little while. Yeah, and the thing keep it keeps repeating, but it keeps saying this has not been a recording. It's like blatantly recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so he's pretty mad, doesn't know what to do, and that's when Robert De Niro shows up, sneaks into his house uh, with a gun. He's like holding a gunpoint. Yeah. And Sam and doesn't even know. It's yeah. just a precaution. It's not he doesn't deal. even know he's there yet at first. <laughs> uh, and he is a rogue heating 
specialist. Yeah, he doesn't believe in forms. Nope. It's not even that he doesn't believe in them. He just doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do them. Too much work. He (laughs) says, and this is in the trailer, so you've already heard this, but he says, yeah, that he got got into the game for the adventure, the excitement, you know, working alone. Mm -hmm. Um... And so he uh, installs this part and and fixes it up, and Sam's like, great. And uh, he tries to pay him, and Robert Junior's like, no. And then he literally grab, uh, like, I guess, zip lines away. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is superhero. actually after uh, some other people show up, right? Well, no, they, they show up right on. after the Central Services guys. Well, no, because De Niro had a gun. And he didn't oh right, Bob. they do right, right. They uh, show up while he's still Bob there. Yeah, it's Bob, Hos- Bob Hoskins, Bob uh, Hoskins, Spore, and his uh, name? I don't know who the other guys. the other dude's great too. But yeah, one of the things I love about them is they have these really long brims on their hats. Yeah, that they, like they wear forward facing like yep, baseball caps that yep. don't have bent rims, but they're really long they're and go up. Really long, yeah. And so uh, these guys show up while uh, Tuttle Robert De Niro is there doing his work. And so Sam tries to talk them out of going away, and he uses one of the th- one of the pieces of paperwork that Buttle had informed him about as some form that they need to come in. He's like, "Do you have that form?" And one of the guys like goes into a state of shock when he hears it. Like, so like, "We'll be back. We'll be back for you." We just had a, a meta moment just happen mm-hmm. on the podcast. What's that? You just said Buttle instead of Tuttle. Oh my god! Yeah. I'm so Buttle. That and then yeah. Ian Holm consistently does that throughout the movie. The whole he movie. Always That's how you know it it's wrong. his fault yep. without anybody ever saying whose fault it really is. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so right around this time, I think is when you're first introduced to the love interest character, Kim Greist's character, whose name escapes me right now. Um, but uh, so. I believe he first sees her. I mean, I think he, he sees her through the ceiling when she looks down to check on when he's coming on the elevator. Uh, Buttle's wife. Right, right, yeah, because she's the uh, upstairs. No, that's when he first sees her. He sees her when he brings the check. She's the Buttle's upstairs neighbor. Yeah, and he sees her, and then he can't. She runs off. Her name's Jill. Jill. The I knew it was something off, wicked easy too. But so she runs off, and then he sees her again while he's at his office. Mm-hmm. Um, and by this time he has joined, his mother has convinced him to, uh, join another group, the, um, you know, information bureau, basically. So he's kind of got a, he's got a promotion now. He's working in a different office. Yeah. Well, he actually turned down the initial promotion Mm -hmm. and his mom was insisting on it, but he didn't want the promotion. He didn't want special treatment. Right. But then to find this woman, he learns if he works for information retrieval, he he can can find her. Right. And, and I so, think before we jump into that, we should also mention that the mother and the mother's friend are really great characters in this. They are older women who are getting extensive, extensive, extensive plastic surgery. Yeah. Um, Super aloof about everything. Oh, yeah. And they have they each have a different doctor, mm-hmm. and they kind of go back and forth, and every time you, you see them... a little mini battle happening yeah, yeah. who has the better plastic and surgery. Every time you see the... Um, the mother's friend, she's in worse condition. She's like, oh, no, he said this just, it's this kind of, you know, it's always an explanation from the doctor. Right. But, um, so, yeah, so she's, they've, and she also, she has a daughter that they're trying to set up with Sam as well, which is another just subplot to it all. But that, so. That's he, uh, something I wanted to address. There's okay. a lot of random little scenes that I feel like were, were, were a minute too long. Like okay. filler scenes of when he meets the daughter and says, I'm not interested. And she goes, why? I don't like you either. Don't worry about it. Right, right. Like, why did we need a good 30 seconds to a minute of that 
seen happening. I thought that was kind of yeah. I mean, I can a lot of filler. I think I think for the a long Sally, movie. I think her name is Sally. Character was kind of unnecessary because her mother, the mother's friend, is such a scene stealing character Mm -hmm. like i literally when i was watching i was like man this could have been played by terry jones from monty python it's like a terry jones character like a monty python style character so it it was i think that and because her role overall in the film is so marginal it's basically two scenes Mm -hmm. um where she does anything that yeah there was a little bit of that I, i i remember the first time i saw this movie a long fucking time ago i had that problem with it i couldn't follow a lot of what was going on because mm-hmm. it was so all over the place and there was so much going on. Yeah. Um, but I think at this point is, like we said, he joins the Information Bureau and so he gets this little tiny office. It's like a bunch of, there's like a, the boss like walks around and all the guys are following him like with their papers. Like, hey, there we go. <laughs> He's and, like, you don't need my ID when he first shows up to this place? And they're like, no, this is no. information retrieval. <laughs> Like, like he, thought he had to be like uh, searched and everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? No. Um, and so he gets to this tiny little office that everything in the office is two, is one bigger office that has been split down the middle with a divider. So the desk uh, between the two rooms is shared by two people. So there's a file cabinet in the back and other things in the room. So there's some great scenes where the two guys are struggling to pull the desk further to their side. Um. <laughs> The guy next door is very creepy. I think his name's Lime, which is actually a shout-out to 1984. One of the characters in 1984 was Lime. I forget. Mr. Lime, Harry Lime or something. But so... This, this guy's name was Harvey Lime. Harvey Lime. Okay. In the movie. Played yep. by Charles... McEwen? Yeah. McEwen. 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 Yeah. Um, but so... He... That... Uh, this other guy, uh, Lime, has a computer in his office, so... He wants to use it, and the other guy doesn't want to let him, and obviously shows that he has no technical knowledge of how to use it. Right. Um, And he gets some information, but then is kicked off, and as he's coming down the elevator, he sees her, and is hitting all the buttons, trying to get down faster, and then the elevator goes lower than the floor, and he has to pry open the door, and he just barely... Uh, gets out, and I believe she's gone at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's had now, at this point, probably two or three dreams where he's, like, wielding a sword, and he's fighting these, like, weird, giant... Um, like a samurai. Oh, yeah, Hunchback yeah. characters with these gray kind of sheets over them, and they have, like, baby masks yep, on, and yep. then Which will come back fighting a samurai. Yes, there's gigantic samurai. Like, like teleport and shit. That, and there's also uh, uh, Jill, mm-hmm. who at this point he only knows as the dream woman. In a dream, she has like long yeah. blonde hair. Exactly. And, yeah. and in the dream, she's also inside of a cage that is chained and floating up above him. Yeah. Um, that is chained and floating up above him. And so... He believes through these dreams that he is destined to save her mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so he sees her. He sees that. I know. He sees her. He sees that uh, she's outside. He runs outside, gets inside of her awesome truck, her like tow truck driver truck. Right. And is like, drive, 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 drive. And she's like, get out of my fucking truck, dude. 
and he won't. And so eventually she does drive away and uh, he tells her that I've been dreaming about you. And she's like, okay, that's effing weird. She tricks him into dropping. Yeah, effing. Yeah. This is a mature audience. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Explicit content. And so we and like then, to get real naughty on this podcast. <laughs> and then she uh and then she she tricks him into a false sense of security and boots him out the door. Right. Um but he's still hanging on and she makes a choice not to run him over, basically. And he, she like at this point kind of found it a little endearing, which is really yeah, weird. Yeah, it's weird. Like They're trying to be creepy to her, pretty much. <laughs> their whole relationship is a little weird, and I think she's still just like it's more like she she's like okay, this guy's not really a threat, more than anything at at that point. Hmm. Um, but now he's started to uh, break some laws and some rules, and that starts to come back to haunt him. A and he's bit. doing those things without filling out those forms. Exactly. Okay, fill out your forms. Big deal. Sign it. Mm-hmm. Have someone seal it. And I believe there's also a scene around here where he, they become closer and then he slays the, the samurai, the samurai in mm-hmm. his dreams and sets her free. But she's not really free because, of course, she's going to get captured again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's going to have to go rescue her for real in real life. So there's also a scene in here where um, he's starting to, like I said, he's starting to lose his standing. He's starting to lose his mind a little bit, it seems. And he's starting to fall out of the routine that is expected in this society. Mm -hmm. And that leads to him getting in trouble, getting reprimanded by his new boss, and uh, eventually having Jack Michael Palin, who's a friend of his, and also a apparently from the scene where you see him in some sort of torture doctor yep tells him basically he, it's a great line he's it's one of my favorites in the movie he says oh, we've always been very close haven't we sam he's like yes yes and he says oh I, like basically how about you we keep that different for a little while like how about you stay away from me from now <laughs> on <laughs> and it's just it's delivered so well that like you think he's going to say something nice but and so Sam is now losing losing everything, and he loses the girl. Right. And now he's going to try to go on this crusade to save her, which ultimately ends in him getting captured. And uh, well, because there's the there's the thing where the the central services find out that he's been working with Tuttle. He kind of yep. joins up with Tuttle. Um. He is unsuccessful in saving her, and he ends up in the torture room yeah. with Michael Palin. And this is probably my favorite part of the whole movie. He, uh, Michael Palin is wearing, we kind of described them earlier, it's essentially this weird baby face. If you look at our Facebook page, it's been our, our picture for the, for the week, and it's also in the picture for this uh, episode. It is this very creepy, like almost like those Chinese masks, yeah. um, like fat, fat cheeks and like really tight eyes and yeah. stuff. And it looks like a some sort of creepy ass baby. He uh, recognizes that it's him and he tries to persuade him. And Michael Pound's like, you fucked everything up, dude. Right. Like you, I can't believe you did this to me, basically. Um, and then... There's this whole scene where he triumphantly breaks out, saves the day. Uh, actually, the uh, Tuttle comes in 
shoots yeah, Tuttle Palin. with a whole bunch yep. of, he has like a team now. He has like comes, a team of guys. Come from the ceiling. They, yeah. uh, they shoot Michael Palin in the face. They fucking break him out. They get away. Saves the girl. Everything's great. Happy ending. There's a bunch of weird stuff going back and forth between the dream yep. type thing yep. happening in real life. He, you know, falls into a coffin and then he just ends up like... Yeah, yeah. So it's like, what's going on? It's very, very strange. And they end up living happily ever after, essentially. Right. The end. Or so you would think. <laughs> and then there is a harsh cut, very sharp cut, straight to Michael Palin and another one of the characters who didn't really get into, but it doesn't really matter. Um who is sort of like a mentor, a, another rich, influential guy, mm-hmm. looking and just being like, oh, he's done, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yep. Brain and, is fried. Yep, brain is fried. And then it, the camera zooms out on Sam just sitting there, his eyes wide open. Not revealing. Revealing. That both realities were pretty much from his memory at the same yep, time. Like exactly. It was, the dream was like a weird yep. thing that was happening as, kind of. And as once again... A song plays this song Brazil which plays throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. which is all about nostalgia and dream and memory and all this weird stuff and there the melody is very entrancing But before we finish, I want to mention this real quick, because this is kind of a great way to end Brazil. So the movie itself also had a studio-mandated cut called the Love Conquers All cut. Okay, so this is what you were I was, you wanted to hold off telling yeah, me about yeah, outside of the podcast. Exactly. Okay. So this, this was not the cut of the film, thank God, in the end, because it would have drastically changed everything about it especially the ending basically the love conquers all cut is a the whole movie we just described minus any of the dream sequences that build up or any mention of the dream sequences whatsoever and i'm assuming when he gets rescued by tuttle and his gang then that's it that's they live happily ever after. exactly that's how the movie well, that's kind ends of defeats the whole purpose of the movie exactly and oh. so Terry Gilliam said, no fucking way, and they didn't do that. And so, thank God, that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, it was really hard for me to follow the plot. I had to watch I it twice. That. And I still, it, it is kind of weird still to me, like, mm. how it worked. But mm. um, that's clearly a me problem, because yeah. critics raved. I mean, oh, it's yeah. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's less... Audience gave it, like, 70-something, yeah. It's Yeah, it definitely... The audience scores are lower, and I've seen a lot of criticism of it, which is definitely warranted. I just personally think it's... Uh, it has so much going on that that's what makes it so important. It's not just the film itself, but it's it's the technical stuff yeah. that goes on in it. Um, again, I want to mention real quick, like, Terry Gilliam's use of animation was probably pretty well known for anybody who's watched Monty Python, but the use of puppetry and models and things like that in this movie are amazing. And if you've ever seen The Meaning of Life, you know the beg- the Monty Python film, their third film? I, I, I think I've been over this with you before. I'm not huge but on the, I just, you've or seen knowledgeable so many movies. Monty Python. Okay, well, in Monty Python's, the beginning of that movie, there's a short film 
mm-hmm. uh, about these, basically, it's it's accountants who become pirates and they sail their accounting building around. But so, yeah, they sail, they sail their accounting building around the cities and kill other accountants. But it uses a ton of models in it, like city models. Mm-hmm. And it uses that sort of pers- shooting perspective to make it look like it's a building. Like, if you look really hard, you can tell it's a model. But it's a type of filmmaking that they don't really do anymore because they just make it on a computer now. Yeah. And it's fucking brilliant. So they definitely did, like, a meta scene then when he was driving through the town. Right. They were, like, a camera was going through a city. Mm-hmm. But then it zoomed out and there was a guy carrying... A replica right. thing of the city. Or like also whenever Tuttle ziplines away, that's mm-hmm. a model. Blatantly. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the, the scene in the dream where the, the huge fucking like Shit was monoliths come out of the ground. Of the ground. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, uh, that was Brazil. And uh, all right, on to the next Wait, one. Wait, no, I, I don't want to no? You don't want to add to all this. All right, add on. Uh, so, researcher Fitz. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, she was busy today, right? But I, I randomly decided to say... Hey, you should come record. You want to come record? She's like, I can't. I got, I got stuff to do. I don't know if that means I don't want to, but she is a Monty Parth, uh, Python mark. Oh, yeah? So she's all about Monty Python. So what I am going to say now on this podcast so that she can't not do it, we're going to go through all the Monty Python movies because I have I never... Any of them? I've seen a couple. I, I'm just not massively into Monty Python's right. entire like world. Right. Um, there's a whole bunch... That I'm not aware of. I, I, so many of my friends are in, in on the joke, and I don't I don't know right, what's happening. Right. Um, so we're gonna watch all those, and she is you know a connoisseur. So we're gonna have her on the podcast, whether Hell she yeah. likes it or not. And it's not gonna be via Skype. We're gonna get her in here. Oh yeah. And we're gonna record an episode about Monty Python somewhere in the near future, yeah. and she yeah. has to do it now that I've said it. I love you. I'm sorry, but you're well, doing it now. I will throw this out, and maybe this will help her to want to do this. I am also a Monty Python mark, so we'll probably have no problem talking about Monty Python together. Yeah. So Schooling me on stuff I wouldn't know <laughs> by just watching the stuff. All right. So that's settled. Okay. All right. So that was Brazil. On to the next movie, Dread. All right, so the movie I picked for Kevin is the sci-fi action movie Dread, uh, also known as Dread 3D if you saw it in theaters, uh, directed by Pete Travis, written by Alex Garland, starring Carl Urban, Olivia Thirlby, Wood Harris, and Lena Headey. And this movie was brought to you by Cool Parents Podcast. Uh, I referenced them last week. They're awesome, really, really funny. Uh, it's based on... I guess they're banned by the same name, Cool Parents, but it's just him and his bandmate, my buddy uh, Justin Furtak. Um, one of the funniest things you'll listen to. It's maybe smoke a little bit before you listen to because it's a lot of rambling. Yeah. But anyways, without further ado, here is the trailer for Dread. Dread 3D. Motherfucker. 
looking for order in the chaos. We can Men and women at the Hall of Justice. Makes the brain feel as if time is passing at 1% its normal speed. This truce is the manufacturing base for all the slow-mo in Mega City 1. You know how often we get a judge up in these truths. What do you got one now? She has control of everything. Levels 1 to 200. This is Mama. Somewhere in this block are two judges. That's not good. I want him dead. We're gonna have to go through him. Rookie, you ready? Yeah. You look ready. Fire! Judgment time. Let's finish this. So, what do you do when you've got to go into this building that's run by gangs with just your psychic rookie judge at your side, and then they shut down all the doors, and they fucking shoot at you with Gatlin guns? What are you going to do, Carl Urban? Is this a rhetorical question, or is Carl Urban my new nickname and you really want to know what I would do? Yeah, what would you do? In that I don't scene? know. I'd... Piss. Well, what Judge Dredd would do is <laughs> fuck those motherfuckers up and bring them to justice. Yeah. So you just gave the whole plot of the movie. Well, that, I mean... <laughs> Essentially, I, right? That's... As an as an action movie, I'm pretty sure yeah. that you could get, garner that in the first five minutes. It is a comic book character, sci-fi mm-hmm. version of Die Hard. Yes, just Judge Dredd is a 1980s sci-fi comic book that uh, is about super police who are essentially police with the ability to judge on the spot so they can execute you if they so deem fit right sentence your prison do whatever Mm -hmm. they do i think that's actually the only way judges are now judges are all police officers pretty much well yeah for the most part but this is like if the judges were driving around doing all of the work including uh, you know arresting people and um so yeah this movie starts out with uh, the judge and one of the only things that I really hated about this movie there wasn't much I didn't like but there was one thing I hated his fucking helmet I couldn't get over how dumb it looked I loved it I thought it I looked, love his helmet I thought it looked kind of kind of dumb it kind of well, was I mean, the character's helmet is kind of a dumb thing and yeah retrospect I, but it's I I love it it's just it's perfectly campy right this. well and I think later on. We'll get into this. It became an issue when the other judges showed up. But, um, so he's, he's been called to this apartment building. Yeah. So he is, uh, pretty much, this is the day that he will, uh, take the rookie out. Oh, right. Um, Cassandra, I think her name is. Yes. And um, she's a psychic, as I mentioned. Yeah, because there's mutants in this world. This, right. this dystopian comic book world. Um, she is one of them, and usually, they reference this later on, mutants uh, have, like, weird physical attributes yeah, that make yeah. them kind of grotesque or something is wrong with them, and that's the sacrifice that they have for having some kind of abilities. 
Um, so his job is pretty much show her the ropes and then decide whether or not she's fit to right. be a judge. Right. But judge her on if she can be a judge. Yeah. But she's essentially she's a judge for the. It, it doesn't matter. She's yeah. already officially a judge for that day. It doesn't matter. Right. So whatever she says goes as a judge. Right. She sent it to somebody. It's official. Which brings me to another little issue I had with it. What fucking kind of tested is it if she's a psychic and can just read his mind whenever and he even makes a point of pointing that out near the end of the film he's like why don't you just read my mind and it's like uh hasn't she been doing that the whole fucking time dude yeah (laughs) or has she i guess you don't know but anyway so yeah he's gonna take the rookie out yep and call there's a the uh, a drug that is uh, yes makes the brain um play things out slowly very slowly yes um and it's called slow-mo right so uh, that makes the movie really really visually right stunning so you're introduced around this time to lena hetty who is known as mama Mm -hmm. and she is a gang lord kingpin Mm -hmm. drug kingpin um who lives in this particular tenement block uh, yeah. At the very top, and her gang has taken over like the whole, basically the whole building. Worked their way down right. from the top of the building with like the most violent ways of taking out these other mm-hmm. gangs. Uh, the judged is one of the gangs where they tattoo yeah. the judge helmets on their faces. Yep. Um, I'm not, I can't remember who the there other was ones one are. that was sort of like a uh, Mexican. There's a dragons. Yeah. Some oh the yeah. There's an Asian gang. I thought there was like a Mexican gang, but maybe that was. I think that might have been the judges. I don't know. They kind of also had, they're reminiscent of like MS-13, one mm. of the gangs. But uh, but so, yeah, and, and so at the very beginning, she, there's these three guys that her and her gang has caught, and they've ripped them off somehow. And so she tells them to skin these guys alive and throw them off the top of this building, which is hundreds of floors. I think it's a hundred floors, maybe. Yeah. It's at least a hundred floors. And so they give them a shot of this slow down drug, which I don't remember the name, but they call it slow-mo. slow-mo. Yeah. I I think they call it by like a, they give it the nerd name too, because it's a science fiction (laughs) movie. But anyway, and so these guys experience what probably would last maybe a maximum of five to 10 seconds uh, over the course of what feels like hours. Yeah. As they fall to their death and splat on yep. the ground floor. There's, I have a big problem with that scientifically. Okay. okay. I get that the brain is playing it in slow motion and everything. Uh, but it's supposed to be playing while real time is happening at regular speed. It's right. like slow motion version of what's happening is just in their brain. It's replaying slowly. They wouldn't. The, it would have the replay would have stopped for them. Yeah. See. Do you see what I'm saying? They would have totally. hit the ground and they wouldn't. We wouldn't. They'd they wouldn't still, have reached the point of hitting the like, ground. Yeah, they'd, they'd still, still be, be on like the 98th floor. <laughs> exactly. By the time they actually hit That's the ground. That's a good point. I didn't think of Scientifically, that. Scientifically, it didn't make any sense, but it's still brutal in the movie and awesome. Right. It, and it, we can it, overlook that little hiccup. It does what it's supposed to. You're like, oof, that would suck. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, also, another thing you can add to this, they've also already been skinned alive, so that would, I think, would also make it even worse because they... they, if, they if they did slow-mo for that part... Yo, I didn't yeah. even think of that. Yeah, that is pretty brutal. And they, I mean, it's brutal just to get skin alive. Right. And while you could say they may have, I doubt it because it shows them giving them the drug and the transformation of regular speed. It's like you know, and then being tossed off the roof. Right. Right. Into yeah. slow motion. 
So the call comes in. We got three bodies at this place, and uh, he There's says, "What's your call?" Building. I forget what it's yeah, called. It's like it's... a something tree or something. Uh, yeah, peach tree. Peach we tree. say it in the trailer, so I think it's okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so uh, yeah, they he the rookie says, "Let's go do it," and they go over to check out the call. Uh, they find the bodies, and they set up a perimeter and begin to. Uh, inquire, and that's when they meet the medical dude. The, the yeah, he's like the the he's like on staff at the building, and from the he's like in the sick bay. He's the guy that won't let them in later. Spoiler okay, earlier. that's yeah, I I didn't remember uh, seeing him earlier in the yeah. movie. Yeah, he comes out like right when they get there oh, okay. and talks to them, and he gives them the rundown on this is what's the deal with Mama, blah blah blah, you know. So that's where you kind of get the exposition of what's going on in the building. Yeah. uh the woman who plays uh, Mama Heedy, something Heedy. What? Where, oh, uh, Lena. Yeah, she uh, is notoriously known for playing badass women. Oh yeah, Cersei. Yeah, obviously for Game of Thrones. Famously, yep. uh, she's the badass wife in Three Hundred. Oh, you're right. I always forget yeah. that. Yep. She's yep. dude. She's just a badass. She yep. plays badass characters. Uh, can be really vindictive and evil and keep a stoic face. Yeah. Doing so, she's a great actress. And she's yeah, good. oh yeah, and in this movie, she also has got a very particular look to her. She's got short, short hair that's cut like trash. Yeah, it's, yeah, she's, trash. She's got, like definitely. yellow teeth and yep. like, like and, scars. Uh, scars yeah, and the, her backstory is pretty brutal of her going through some rough shit that mm-hmm. I don't remember. I just remember it was very brutal. Um, so she's seen some stuff and has now decided to deal with that by doing worse stuff to people. Mm-hmm. Um. But so, they start their investigation and are led to a particular drug dealer on a lower floor. Right. Who you've already seen earlier in the movie is one of the, like, you know, lieutenants of Mama. And they kill His a couple... Kay. Kay, yes. Yep. They kill a couple of people and arrest him. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of sets off the events of the movie because she knows if they interrogate him, he'll give up information on her... Mm-hmm. And she has one particular big piece of information she does not want them to find out. Um, and so she is trying to basically either kill them, kill him, kill all of them, or get him back somehow. Yeah. The The main thing is, I halfway through the movie, I was kind of frustrated because there was a plot hole in my own brain where I was like, okay. she's doing a, a ton of illegal shit. She already threw three people off a roof. She's distributing drugs. They already know right. about the distribu- uh, distribution of drugs. They know that this guy uh, works for her. They right. know she's the one shooting at them with all these gangs and that she took over the building. It was for a little while going like, what mm-hmm. What information? Like, if, if she gets arrested now, they can give her life right. or death. Right. Like, <laughs> Well, and at one point, I mean, right around here, she literally sets up, as the judge starts to come after her, she sets up Gatling guns like massive machine guns and no i know it's way further but what i'm saying like yeah you're right the amount of damage that she does is like what the fuck are you doing what are you hiding right like you're gonna already go to jail you're already gonna go there for life or get sentenced to death right you could also make the argument that just the even if the judges disappear like somebody's gonna gonna come looking for them here that's where i was gonna turn it around and uh Say the 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 loophole. I mean, the uh, plot hole got filled for me. Was oh well, when she kills them, 
it literally can make it look like a, a bus gone wrong. Like yep. kill a couple of culprits. Yeah, and kill your judges. own guys or another gang. Just shoot them. Don't do anything fucked up. You know. I think and, somebody, perhaps her, another one of the those characters, says something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, she ends too. up saying that to Kay. Like Kay wants right. to torture. Uh, oh, Judge Anderson right. Or right. Judge, is it Anderson? I think it's Anderson. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Anderson. Thirlby. Yes. Um. But so she. Wait, where were we? Okay, so blah, 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 blah. so the judges are now. You're also introduced to Donald Gleason at this point, mm-hmm. who is her hacker. Yeah, who and is he seen... calls in a favor to put the entire building on lockdown and, yep. and pull some strings. Yep, and it it goes into they they it goes into war mode, mm-hmm. and the whole building shuts down. All these you know metal shutters come down over all the uh, entrances and exits and windows. And Mama gets on the microphone mm-hmm. to the to whole the building, building. Yeah. and says, and this is, I believe, in the trailer too, but basically says, there's two judges here. Kill them. If That's, you don't want to kill them. If you don't want to kill them, yeah. Go in your rooms. Get stay in way. your rooms, because if you get in our way, we will kill you. Yep. That's pretty much. And so the music starts to kick up, and you know it's fucking on right yeah. now. We're talking John Wick. Yep. We're talking. Oh, yeah. Bruce Willis or, or or Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger levels right. of, all right, now you've done fucked up. Exactly. You locked yourself in the building with like the main protagonists, so you're going to die. That's just movies, right. action movies one-on-one. Right. Good job. Exactly. Spoiler alert, Judge Dredd kills a lot yeah. of people. Too bad it wasn't another judge, not Judge Dredd. Yeah. Because this judge <laughs> is... He's going to judge you and yeah. kill you. Well, he also, you, as in this is a little spoiler, but I won't say what happens. But you'll find out later that he is, not all judges are as keen on following the rules as old Judge Dredd is. But old Judge Dredd loves him some <laughs> rules you're and protocol. You're referring to what you're going to cover in a little bit as a spoiler. Well, yeah. We're going to tell, we're going to tell. I know, I know. I'm just saying spoiler <laughs> for right spoiler, now. Spoiler, we're going to tell you some shit. <laughs> right. Well, that was a spoiler anyway. Yeah. The, most of the judges aren't as aren't as uh, by the book. Yeah, it's yes. very corrupt. They can be bought and shit. He is one. He is the one good judge. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they start making their way through the building to. Uh, he's basically like, "We're gonna go fucking get her. We're gonna go arrest her." Yep. And um, I at the same time trying to maybe find a way out because they have no communication outside of the building. Mm-hmm. And they have their prisoner still, Key, who he... Kay. Yeah, Kay. He even presents her at one point with a moral dilemma of whether or not she should decide to kill him or not. Um, and she makes the right choice not to. Uh, so they're bringing him through the building while trying to maybe find a way to call for backup or deal with the situation. And they're also being now hunted by everyone in the building. And... Mama has control of a surveillance system, meaning that she can watch them. Through Dom L. Gleason. Right. So she they are being watched the whole time. Yeah. I actually want to find out what that character's name is. He is... This is before... Uh, he, he's still not a household name. Uh, not really. He was and, in... And, and for those of you who, who've never seen Kevin's face, they do look a lot alike. Yeah. I it, get it's that. A, it's a thing. It's weird. Uh, he was in Ex Machina, I know. Ex That's... Machina, and he's... Uh, 
the villain, I forget his name, he's in the new Star Wars movies. He's always bumping oh. heads with Kylo Ren. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, also from Ex Machina is Oscar Isaac, which is funny because yes. he's Again. a super good guy in Star Wars. And he's not the bad guy in Ex Machina, but he's definitely the antagonist on some yeah. levels. Yeah. Um, but I want to find out his name. But yeah, he, he was specifically uh, tortured by Mama and had mm-hmm. like uh, these contacts put in. Yeah, he had his eyes removed, it looks like, like. like. Yeah, they they took out the irises to put in like a computer yeah. thing so that he could get better at hacking. Ugh. Tortured him pretty much. Yep. Also yeah. did that in slow-mo. Yeah, like, and she's always like, there's when, when he's even get, shutting the building down, he's like visibly scared. Like, please shut the fucking building down or I'm going like, to get killed. Shaking. Yeah, yeah. And, and he doesn't, he's not recognizable at all. Right. He's a ginger kind of in real life, and in, in this movie he has long blonde hair, yeah. and it's very dirty looking, and uh, the character's name is, they, they just call him Clan Techie. There you go. He's the Clan yeah. Techie. Because, yeah, that's pretty much the Mama, Mama Clan. The Mama Clan, yeah. yeah. So they don't even, he doesn't even have a name. No. Uh, which, uh, a plot point that happens is uh, uh, Judge Anderson, the mutant psychic, uh, has a scene where Dredd is like, okay, we sent this guy to death, you have to shoot him. She just kind of like hesitates, and then she shoots one of the guys that's trying to kill them. Right. Uh, and then she has like a moment of oh shit when she meets the wife that hides them for like a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, and she sees the picture. She realizes she's that leaving. she killed this guy's husband, and he's only doing what he has to to keep them alive, pretty much. Right. And um, so she's like, I made the wrong choice before, but she doesn't say that out loud. And later on, when she has the the choice to kill the clan techie, right. um, she chooses not to because she like watches his past with Mama via being psychic right and it's like he is literally just doing what he has to do he's not he's not a bad guy he's a victim and she makes the judgment that he's a victim and lets him go and even though he i don't think he says it she definitely made the right choice because spoiler alert she passes in the end so that would have been a fail had she been wrong there and should have executed him so the judge judge dread agreed with her there um she also at that point, she starts using the, the abilities a bit more in in helping them mm-hmm. deal with with situations around them. And right. like, there's the scene where they're I think they're in an elevator or something. They're they're with the the captive key, and she's like, "Hey, I don't know, what you're I don't know. I can't help it. From? It's just in my head." <laughs> so, and they're with him, and he's like. She's like, he's thinking about reaching for a gun, and then Dredd says something, and she's like, he's not thinking about that anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, so she's she's starting to, and oh, and another thing we missed is that key, very key here, key, huh? She forgot her helmet when they came in. Well, she didn't forget it. She intentionally left it. Oh, she she inten- was only there to be a detective in a, in a sort right. Oh, right, of position right then and there. She says it interferes with her abilities, yeah. correct. It messes with her abilities, right. which is also probably why she can't completely read Dread the entire time. Right. Like, only a little bit. But so they eventually get up to a higher floor. Actually, can I just say that that's also an... I don't know if it's an intentional nod, but that's very much Professor Xavier and Magneto. Magneto's mm-hmm. helmet is very much Judge Dredd's helmet, almost. Like, they're very totally. similar looking. Um, and Xavier is a psychic, but his powers are blocked by Magneto's helmet. Right. That is, uh, you don't have to be a super comic book nerd to know that. That's kind of like a, it's it like Superman be. can fly at this could point. Be. Kind of but thing. like we mentioned earlier, too, he did make a offhanded remark at one point in the movie about, you could just read my mind. So, yeah, I, know I don't could, think it protects Yeah, I know she could, but she definitely, him. I feel like it... It might. There was a few scenes in the movie where they teased that she couldn't fully read him. Right. She was even confused when she was reading him in the very first interaction they had through right, the glass window. Right. 
uh, through a mirror thing where they can't see each other. Right, right. Where she's like, I, I do sense pain and anger, but there's something else. And then she couldn't figure out what it was. And so, I mean, I'm, right. I'm guessing she can't get like fully into his head because right. of the helmet. But so they make it up to a higher floor, and uh, that's when, I mentioned this earlier to you, uh, they unload upon them with these fantastically large guns and destroy, like, fucking a whole bunch of rooms. Yeah. They put them over, like, one side of the balcony and yep. aim to the other side of the building where the judges are definitely hiding. Exactly. And uh, he gets hit at least a couple times, mm-hmm. um, and they are forced to pull back. Right. But now they're being they're being hunted pretty badly. Um now at this point is this when I think that that this leads to when she gets captured, correct? Sort of. Yeah, what ends up happening is during that they kill a lot of innocents. They kill a lot of people who are just bystanders hiding right. in their homes, or literally Old in their house, kids even. Yeah. Um but they blow a hole through the wall, to the side of the building. And it's a, it's one of these giant like ledge type things where there's like, a oh, skate right. ramp there's, and stuff, and they're outside. There's so, a like, half pipe. Their stuff is still not working too well, like their tech to get a hold of the other people. So they have to go back in and finish the job. Right. So when they go back in, it leads to uh, the judge kind of having like a, a standoff with some people, right. and Anderson gets uh, the guns turned on her by Kay, her own gun. Right. Kay, the guy that they've had captured, captured captive the entire time well, no that ha- well that happens a little bit later because first they bring her up and then they're all like oh yeah all the guys and lena Headey's like nobody touch her and like i said earlier it kind of lays out what they're gonna do in order to get out of this no no i was right okay but, but if then that's what you're talking the, about yeah there's a scene where he takes her gun yeah the whole thing the reason why she's even with uh mama is because Kay turned her own gun on her and then uh brought her onto an elevator, brought her out to Mama, and this is all while Judge Shred can't do anything about it because he's in the middle of a shootout and right. has no idea it's even happening. Well, so, is it her gun, though? Because I'm, I'm kind of getting to what happens later with him and the gun when he yeah, tries it is. to shoot. I know what you're talking okay. about. Yeah, then it's why the gun. fuck wasn't she like, shoot me, bitch? Come on, shoot me. Because then his, he just went like, and his hand would have blown up. I don't know. That was a dumb move by her. She could have gotten out of that. But anyway... You're yeah, right, because it is her. That's so that uh, like pisses me off. She would have just been like, <laughs> "Shoot me, idiot!" It, uh, maybe was he like holding it to her really close? Maybe it would have. It been was like up against her face. Yeah, so, so. Probably, she maybe maybe thought it maybe maybe she didn't know. You know what? Maybe she didn't know that that happened with the guns. That's a possibility too. Cause oh no, like, she definitely knew. She, that was. I mean, you'd think she was trained, right? She's also a psychic. Or I mean, it's either that or that. Yeah, she thought her face was going to explode if the right. gun exploded right there, which makes more sense. But anyway, so now Judge Dredd. He's got to go capture them. But also, some more judges show up mm-hmm. because he did call in like, and when he's on the half pipe. And they're like, let us fuck in. And Donald Gleason's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, we can't because we're doing this routine scheduled test thing. So I can't open. I literally cannot open the doors. Yeah. And then they call the corrupt judges that we mentioned earlier. Right. And you don't quite know what's going on at first, but she's like, call the police, basically, or call the law or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, these other four judges show up, and they're like, all right, take a hike. Get out of here, you idiots. And, like, they they are led into the building. Um, and it becomes clear very soon that, like I said, they are corrupt, and they have been brought here to... Oh, they immediately interact yeah. with Mama, and they go, we want a million. Yep. I don't know what a million is in this universe, this... 
other million of credits. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is, it's a million some sci-fi. space bucks. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, these guys are now going to hunt him down. Um, and this, I mentioned this, I think earlier. This was really confusing for me because they all looked exactly the same, except for the guy who was Af- who was black. Uh, <laughs> the the other three people. Well, and one of them was female. But the other two guys and Judge Dredd... All of the same were, and, and, Yeah, you could not discern... It was all about them. the voices. The voices yep. are what had to tell you what was happening. But so whenever there's action, you're like, I, I uh, oh, yeah. whatever, it didn't matter. But so he... Uh, he kills them all. But first he gets slugged to the chest. <laughs> yeah. He does some field stuff. Yeah, she shows up right at the this end. Is, so so how, how does she show up, though? Before well, we get he, into that. Yeah, yeah, well, he fucking... She, she, like I said, she's about to get shot because she's been pissing off k and k is like i'm gonna shoot you and when he's got her in like the torture room and then he goes to shoot her with her own gun and the gun's like user not registered and blows his fucking hand and most of his forearm off yeah and uh immobilizes him so the point of that scene was uh mama told him Take her to the room. Don't rape her. Don't torture her. Don't burn her. Don't beat her. Shoot her with her own gun. Literally just shoot her uh, a few times, and we'll use her body for a thing later to say right. that he, it was a bus gone wrong. And like you said, the, the hand blows off. She kills him, and then uh, he takes out all the other judges, and th- those judges are slowly going, eh, who cares? Now we only right. have to split it three ways. They didn't right. give a shit. Right, right, they're right. all corrupt assholes. To the point that it's down to one judge. Uh, Dredd has been shot, and he's sitting on the ground, and he puts his hand up, and he says, wait, and, the other and then like, they go, wait, wait for what? Wait. Goes for a whole rant on, yeah. why should I wait? Judge blah, blah, Dredd, blah. da 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 and then of course, gets shot in the back. But it's the old gunshot, but his gun didn't shoot, and he's like, huh? And yes, <laughs> she is. he looks down at his wound, and now she's behind him. And a great action line, he just yep. goes... Wait for her to shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so now... But awesome. Now it's time to fucking take out Mama. Mm-hmm. So they they get their fucking... Uh, he, he, like I said, he does his field med. They get ready. The music cranks up for the big final shootout where they fucking take out everybody. Oh, yeah. And they kill Mama. I forget how Mama dies in the very end. Oh, I love it. I forget, uh, though. So she had a thing, a device on her... Uh, that read her heartbeat and said if her heartbeat uh, stops then the whole she blows up and then it takes out everything with her and the building will be taken down he goes I'm I'm gonna gonna take the risk or something and he fucking like makes a bet that if he throws her from that high up it won't have a he's like I wonder how strong that signal is Yeah. yeah and fucking whips her out the window like without a second thought and but right before he does it he gives her slow mo Oh, yeah, he does. He does. But I was going to say, right before that, he also basically is like, because she's like, if you do this, we'll kill everybody. And you'll yeah. die, too. And he's like, the law, though. Like, he basically, <laughs> that's like what his real intent. I mean, yeah, he's like, I'm going to take the risk that, that it won't work. Right. But also, I don't give a fuck because this is my job. Throws her out the window. Gives her the right. slow-mo. Throws her out the window. She is subjected to the same torturous death well, again, we science disproved it with us yeah. earlier, but yeah, she's subjected to the same thing. Uh, shot where they have um, it's supposed to be the ground, but it's like glass for yeah. the screen. You see her face like impact to the ground from oh, from the ground's point of view, and the blood brutal. 
fills the screen, but it yeah. doesn't look brutal. It actually looks really beautiful. It's yeah. really weird. It's like yeah. a really crazy good shot, it's but it's so slow. fucked up. Yeah, if it happened fast, it would be brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they did it. And the doors are opened, and the judges rush in, and and his person lady that like gave him the job comes in, and and the it, Olivia Thrillby's like, I didn't, I know I didn't pass, whatever, and starts to walk away. And the, no, she says, "Did I pass?" And he says, "Read my mind." Yeah, or whatever. And she does. She passed, but but she, she like she like does a thing. She's like, ah, I don't know, I can't do blah 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 blah. Like, and then. The lady, the other lady asked her, like, did she pass? And she's like, yeah, of course she did. Like, boom, boom, Yeah. And that's it. Right? <laughs> that's about he it. He just rides off into the sunset on his motorcycle. She's yep. not going to be a judge because she doesn't want to be. In a gr- Actually, one of the best shots in the movie was that last one. Them the driving ra- off. Yeah, on. it was good. It was very reminiscent of uh, the end of The Dark Knight. Correct. Where he's like, they, they, need, they, they don't need me or whatever the fuck happens where yeah. he's <laughs> driving off on the motorcycle. Yeah, then there's there's a good like uh, parallel there with how Carl Urban also talks like this the whole movie, yeah. and is like, I will stay in character. I, s- I will stay in fucking character. Yeah, and uh, admirable. I would say a very admirable job. If you don't know who Carl Urban is, yeah. this is what last thing for tonight on this movie. He is the horse girl's brother from the Riders of Rohan in the Lord of the Rings. The Two Towers. A.O. Mirror or something, I think his name is. That is the best thing I know him from. Is... I know he's in the Star Trek. Oh, yes, movies. he was. I never saw those, so. You haven't eh. seen those. They're pretty good. They're actually really good. I, uh, me they're, and going, Jay, they're going a little off the rails. but Me and, me and Abrams just don't, don't get along. Uh. So I always end up having, I just like, you know, have issues with his stuff. So I never went out of my way to see those. Mm. But that's another podcast. Boom. All right, so uh, on to the next movie. Y'all. My Movies Better is brought to you by Conformist Popcorn Treats. Find them at your local lobby. Now, do it. It is the law. You will be killed if you do not get these popcorn treats. They are very delicious. That was a lucky song for me. But it made me think. What about people who aren't so lucky? Like the thousands and thousands of children who are born each year, they're often quite helpless. But with help, wonderful things can happen. Like a boy putting on his own hat and coat for the first time. When there's no man around, good years should be. Why? Watch this. When you can get away, first, the powerboat. I never get tired of the taste of Coke. Ah, the sailboat. So refreshing with a Coke. Live on a houseboat and you can choose your neighborhood. And your neighbors. Make friends with Kool-Aid. Cars. <laughs> you know what he whispered in me last night? Uh, Winston tastes good. Like a cigarette should. Barney, will you get that thing quick while I'm steady on? The intermission is now over. Please return to my movies better. All right, so the movie that the listeners picked for us uh, was Punishment Park. And it's a 1971 American mockumentary drama. And it's very tense. Uh, it was directed and written both uh, by Peter Watkins and stars a whole bunch of unknowns. Uh, yep. Carmen Argenziano, Harold 
Bolu, Jim Bohan, Stan Armstead, and Paul Alleyness. Half these guys don't even have Wikipedia pages. Nope. Uh, nope. It is not. It was not made to be a film that that it was made to be a film that tricked the viewer into yeah. thinking it was real. It was real. Yeah. It was. It was in the vein right. of uh, no stars whatsoever. Yeah. But anyways, this movie is brought to you by my friend Tom Strong's uh, beer Instagram. Tom Strong? Like Alan Moore Tom Strong? Are you talking about like the comic book character? Yeah. yeah he, nice. He, he knows about that guy. He's that's all about awesome. it. And that's supposed to be a series coming eventually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so it's brought to you by his beer uh, Instagram, which is uh, people have beer Instagrams. Yeah. That's a thing. It's cool. It's called, uh, it's, it's just Instagram. It's at strong underscore beers. He reviews a bunch of crazy gnarly local beers and just micro breweries beers and it's uh pretty good check it's it out fascinating go follow it awesome uh anyways here's the trailer for punishment park under the provisions of title two of the 1950 internal security act also known as the mccarran act the president of the united states of america is still authorized without further approval by Congress to determine an event of insurrection within the United States and to declare the existence of an internal security emergency. The president is then authorized to apprehend and detain each person as to whom there is reasonable ground to believe probably will engage in certain future acts of sabotage. Right you sent those kids All right, so Punishment Motherfucking Park. Mm. It's a movie that we watched. And it made me really angry, but not in the way that it made, I think, you angry. It, like, revved me up. Yeah. I was, like, ready to start a fucking revolution <laughs> watching this movie. I was so... It got me. It totally got... It did what it was intended to do to me. Make you think it was a documentary, not a mockumentary? Not a even so bit. much that, but to incense my righteous indignation at what was going on. Right. At the time in this fake world, that the, the, the fake country that was being uh, made up in the movie, but also the parallels to our own world. Uh, Especially now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Punishment Park, I guess the way to describe this is... You're presented with this movie, like we said, it's a mockumentary. You're presented as if it's a, a real place and mm. a real uh, government, uh, a, 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 the, what do they call them, the presidential, executive, there we go, a real executive order that's been put out by Nixon, and it's basically to clamp down on hippies and activists yeah. and people who are anti-government anyone trying to start a revolution right essentially. so they've started to make these kangaroo courts which if you don't know what that is that's when you're given a trial that the outcome has already basically been decided that you're guilty 
and it's just a show trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sentenced to, you know, either a certain amount of prison time or... They can choose to do Punishment Park. Punishment Park, correct. So Punishment Park is a area of desert in one of the Dakotas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, while it is a sort of like a work camp or something like that would be similar to it um, in in real law enforcement and corrections, um, it's also sort of like a training ground for police. Mm-hmm. And so basically the way it works is you're there for three days and two nights, and or that's a time frame you have while you're there, and you are set out with no supplies from one part of the park and have to walk several and by several, yeah, I mean like 50 fucking something. miles. Yeah, it's like 50, 50 yeah. two miles or something like that. Exactly. Across the park to uh, a flag, an American flag. That is, and, and if you make it there, mm-hmm. you're done. Your punishment, your time is served. Right. Um, however, after two hours from the moment you start on the first day, they will send out police officers after you who are on a training course, essentially. So they are being sent to chase you down. If they catch you, you will serve out your prison sentence. So you have to evade the police. That is one group of characters in the movie. There's another group of characters that are on tribunal in one of these kangaroo courts as it points out. You did not notice this. I didn't notice what? They're the same group. No, they're not. It was going back and forth. No, they're not. The, The dude with the afro... The righteous one you, with the brown leather jacket? Yeah, it's not the same people, though. They look very similar, and I think that's on purpose. But there are two distinct groups. There's a tribunal group, which haven't gone to Punishment Park, and then there's the people who are currently at Punishment Park. So they're two distinct groups. They have many similarities in them. Right. But they are two different. I mean, dude, down to the point where there's like... A guy with glasses and a beard in both. There's a, a tall black man in both. With the afro and the goatee. Yep. Two long-haired women. And one woman who has who has blonde hair. You know what I mean? Like there's, so there's definite parallels, but they are two distinct groups of people. I'm going to have to look into that later. Yeah, I'm I, telling I, you. That's kind of like a weird choice if they did do that. But. Well, because it's, like again, like you said, it's supposed to be documentary. So it's like they're documenting the whole camp process of these people getting you know put on trial and then what they go through but they are not it's not the same people so the people in the tribunal will later on be going to punishment park right um so like i said the movie made me really angry because of how intense and real all of it feels yeah, and especially the court. Yeah, so you have a tribunal of people who are older people, and they're all... Let's not beat around the bush. Older white people. Yeah, very exactly. specifically. And they're all, you know, Reaganite, uh, well, at this point, Nixonite, you yeah. know, conservative, uptight. There's one who's from, like, a council of fucking stay-at-home moms. There's, like, professors and senator and, like, all this stuff. And one defense attorney who is completely fucking as shocked as you are. He's essentially a stand-in for the character at how fucked up all of this is. That none of these people are getting a fair trial. And so they break down 
each one of them individual and why don't they love America? Why do they want to be a communist? And the people are basically like, well, you're not giving me a fair trial. None of this is, what are you, what are you to, you know, say what's moral and what's yeah. right and wrong and you're the immoral ones. There's lots of argument going on in the movie, which also stirs up feelings in the viewer. Um, and while this is going on, obviously you're seeing the people out in the desert who are struggling and they end up breaking up into several different groups uh, to survive in different ways. Uh, one such group kills one of the officers and mm-hmm. takes his gun and his vehicle and shotgun and they try to fight back against them with violence. There's another group that like just wants to sit and stay and not go anywhere. There's another group that just like wants to press on and right. keep trying. Um, and so as the, the, it's, it's like kind of muddy when you think about it, like thinking about it back, I can't think like of anything plot wise because it jumps back and forth so much. That's what I, I, it's a criticism I have, but we can address that later on when we um, decide whose movie's better. Right. The constant thing that I noticed, it would go to the courtroom, you hear all these gunshots and explosions in the back, and then it would jump to them in the desert and the director of the documentary who talks to the people in the, the film and everything keeps mentioning what the temperature is. Yeah. Uh, how much water they would have left in their body and how long, uh, they've been walking and how many, how many miles they have left. Right. And it just felt very, uh, it was a pattern. It just kept on happening. That was the yeah. pattern of the movie yeah. from beginning to end as people slowly get right. killed off. And I think that was also supposed to, you know, again, mimic the documentary process mm-hmm. of how they're telling the story. And I did like parts of it, like there were parts where you had people talking about the violence or they're going to kill you. You know, they're talking about like, like, you can't just stay here. They're going to kill you. And then it cuts and it's the fucking cops and it's the main cop being like, all right, now this is how you, t- you this is how you use this gun. Just take a man <laughs> down. Like, so they're, that's yeah. literally what they're there to train for. And if it's made clear that if these people don't immediately give up, they will be met with force. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's lots of scenes too, where they get kind of the, the director forms a bond, I guess you'd say with, with these people. And he's, you know, there's lots of scenes where they're like sitting down, very relaxed, like talking about their philosophical views, Mm -hmm. what they think of what's going on, you know? And so you, you get as an audience member, very humanly connected with them. Whereas the cops are very antagonistic Mm -hmm. or ignore the, you know, the film crew, depending on what's going on. So they're very much put into a, you know, a villainous category, I think, especially because that. Um, and I mean, there's, it's, it's like, again, it's tough to like say a lot about the plot of this movie, but basically like kind of just cut through the fat of the plot. Nothing good happens for any of the people that you would cheer for in this movie. The protagonists i guess i guess unless you're on the side of the douchebaggy wicked conservative you know dystopian psychopaths um but the group that decided to press on uh after most of the others have been killed or captured make it over a ridge and they see the flag yeah and you're like, all right, this well, is they three made days it. of walking and mm-hmm. no confrontation and nothing weird has happened with them. Yep. Uh, they just powered through it. Yep. And they see the flag. And if you get to the flag, you you win. And right. the 
Yeah. And in front of it is a line of cops. Right. And they get closer and the cops start saying what they've been saying to everybody when they catch them. Get down. Put your hands up. You're, you've been caught. The thing's over. Right. And of course and the director and the, also the people who are right. there. Right. Like, what yelling, the fuck? This is bullshit. You're yep. like blocking. We can't. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's, they pretty much cheated. Right. And then and they, they said, try to cheating. rush it. Who gives a shit? It's cheating. Right. You know, you're, yep. you, you guys killed two of our people. And they're yep. like, we didn't do anything. We've been on our, they're like making it very clear. The director was like, I've been with him the whole time. They this never... wasn't them. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, they, they, a couple of them try to rush them. The cops start beating them with truncheons. Beating the shit yeah. out of them. Bad. Yeah, it is very, it's a very uh, visceral movie, mm-hmm. definitely. And this might be the most because you just, you feel exactly how they do. Just totally robbed of it. And basically, it's all been a lie. They've right. been waiting for them there. And if anybody made it, they were just going to arrest them and they're just going to go to jail. So if they had just said, send me to jail, they wouldn't have had to go through that shit in the first place. So what's the fucking point yeah. other than to just make it a training ground to for To torture cops? them for three yep. days so that they could eventually be sentenced anyway to the exact right. same sentence they could have chosen. When I think it's also maybe not implied by the movie, but by the philosophy that the real idea is to make the most violent of them mm-hmm. react like the violent ones did in this. And kill them, yeah. and just remove them, you know. And it's it's easier to look back at this movie now and kind of laugh or be like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever about the Nixon years. But well, like reading about the actual history going on, like there was some intense uh, surveillance of American people and tightening of laws and. And a lot of people got arrested slash killed. If mm-hmm. you want to read about the uh, building they bombed in Philadelphia, right? That's a great example of that. And I mean, this so this is what 1971. You said, I think. Wait, what? Is it 1971? This came out. Yeah, I believe so. 1971. Yeah, um, I know it was the 70s, but so it's also in the middle of the Vietnam War, which is a another big backdrop because a lot of these people are uh, draft dodgers. Yeah, it yes. was 1971. Um, yeah, a lot of these people are draft dodgers and that's what they're actually being arrested for. So mm-hmm. there's this big moral argument, like, don't you want to fight for the country against communism? And they're like, that's not what it's about. Right. And so I think it's super important for its time, except for the fact that it's a mockumentary, which almost kind of makes it have less of an effect for me. Cause it's like, okay, I get it. This is what the world could be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're watching it in 1971, it's like someone makes like a a film now where it's like obviously Trump type character is a dictator of America. Like it'd be like, okay, how much does that help me now? This isn't real. You know, give me like the actual real information so we can topple the shitty government as opposed to, you know, oh, this is what could happen if Nixon is president for life. So. (laughs) Um, I mean, we've only been talking about because it's like I said, the plot, it's not a very there's not a lot to cover when you talk about the plot right. because it's very repetitive right. in that sense. But and since, since we've only talked about it for 10 minutes, why don't we talk about some of our like favorite things about the movie? All right. Uh, well, I would say uh, right off the bat, the first thing that really stuck out to me was the acting, especially because you don't know who any of these people are. Right. Um, very good acting, very real 
uh, and we kind of said it was funny. We talked about this in Lady Bird, like the arguments that they that the mother and daughter would have in all Lady over Bird. each other. Oh my god, this movie is full of that. Yeah, it makes you feel like there wasn't a script, and that they were told this is how you feel. Yep. And that you're watching like a real argument play yep. out. I think that that definitely there was definite improv going mm-hmm. on, and uh, the the particular the 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 guy who was like the chairman mm-hmm. with the glasses. Yeah. The very quiet. Yep. Yeah, he was he was very he, good. He was great. The 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 douchebag dude with the fucking sunglasses on. <laughs> the fucking lady from the like, blonde lady that's yeah. the high voice yep. screaming and she's and, a mother and And yeah. then that fucking New York dude who was like from the fucking factories. The factories. Yep. Oh my I wanted to fucking punch that guy in the head. It made no so, sense. But, he was right. supposed to you'd feel like in, in, in this world that he would be like a, a very left leaning like right, right. for the people and and then that was one of the main arguments that he had was with somebody like, How do you not see that you are being used yep. by the government, that you are just a like a I spoke in the yep. wheel and, yep. and it, it was pretty intense my favorite very specific uh argument was uh there was the 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 passive guy the reason what his his whole thing of being arrested and why he was being charged was because he didn't want to fight he didn't do- oh. he didn't dodge the draft he just straight up went to them and said no yeah i'm not yep. i'm not going to war and they said why he goes because i'm not going to kill anybody i'm not killing for you and so this guy quotes a, a 17th century philosopher and pretty much explains uh, how that there is just cause for some wars if the, the outcome of the war is too free. And his whole thing was think about how the Civil War, they fought to, to free the slaves. And he <laughs> no, goes, they didn't. First of all, no, they didn't. They weren't fighting to free the slaves. Second of all... There's I, more to that quote. Yeah. He, he goes, first of all, there's, uh, they're not free. Yeah. And what I thought well, was... Because was the, there's a second part to the quote, which is like reversing the point of the first quote. It's, yeah. It's which, like, you know... Which he didn't know the kid would know about because he was a really smart right. dude. Um, but he, he says, uh, but they won. They freed the slaves. And he goes, did they free them? Because they're not free now. Like yeah. pretty much saying African-Americans are not free. And I, this movie was made in 1971. And we are now, what, 39 plus 18 yeah. is uh, well, 57 yeah, years means, later? Yeah, that means... 57 years later. This is before the Cincinnati riots and the L.A. riots and Rodney King yep. and... And everything that's happened in the past twenty years that we, you know, that we've really experienced. But this is, so this is right at the beginning of that, and it's also right at the tail end of the civil rights movement of the late '60s. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's only a few years removed from that. Yeah, I, did, um, I don't want to get. It's a political movie, and and it's, it is what it is. I don't like to get political uh, because it's a podcast. I don't want to isolate any of our people, but I think it's just wherever you stand on it i thought it was a fascinating point i mean we're now in 2018 57 years later you have uh people who have to wear uh black lives matter shirts and you have the right. the, the nike arguments and whether or not right. colin uh is a a patriot or a traitor all that stuff uh don't want to get into where we stand on it um but at the same time it's it's pretty fascinating that that's something they were addressing in 71 and here oh, yeah. we are 57 years later and it's still a topic yep. and that quote could have been used right then and there when somebody could have said something about the civil war and how we freed the slaves right. and then somebody could now say are we though like are, are we st- we're not free yeah you know what i mean i also think this film it had great a great use maybe the best thing it did was juxtaposition mm-hmm. of ideas and we mentioned i mentioned earlier the thing where they're 
talking about getting killed and then showing the cops using the guns. There's another one that's probably my favorite moment in the movie. I might be remembering this wrong, but I know both these things happen and they're pretty close to each other. So there's a scene where there's the dude, there's one of the cops is like a sniper and he's right. like all like in like like camouflage and he's telling them to stop and like they can't hear him and the cameraman's like, yeah. they can't hear you. And then he shoots. They're screaming, sit down, yep. sit down. And they're like, what? We need water. Right. <laughs> and he shoots one of the guys and they they're, rush they're him. They're turning themselves in. Yep. They're exactly. giving up because they're dehydrated. Exactly. And so they rush him and like, so basically, you know, somebody's been shot and then they kill the cops, so a couple people have just died, mm-hmm. and it cuts, and the fucking tribunal people are having, like, a nice lunch. They're, like, all eating lunch, and they're talking about, like, these people are crazy. Like, I don't know what's going, you know, and, but it's, like, the juxtaposition of those two things. Like, as they, like, sit there and eat their cake, the yeah. peasants are being slaughtered, you know? Exactly. And, uh, and the, the last thing I'll say about what, another thing I loved is, and you kind of brought this up in a thing that you didn't like, but I thought that the whole constant gunfire thing mm-hmm. was really effective. More so when they were in the desert, because imagine you It wasn't you're, as, as, as uh, prominent in the desert. Right, but you could hear it. It just be like yeah. pop, pop, pop Once off in, in the while. background. There was a couple scenes where they're like doing a testimonial, and you just hear it going in the background. And it's like, imagine if they were like, li- like living with that as they're trying right. to go through this. You know, that the cops are like fucking with them the whole time yeah. to mess with their minds and shit. So I loved the, the very relentless uh, ending. It was it was brutal and it yeah. wasn't okay and then and, and, and you know the bad guys win essentially. Yep. But uh, in the, the bigger scheme of things, no, they don't. This European filmmaker doesn't. I thought they were going to kill him. I genuinely thought that the cops were going to kill him to cover themselves. Uh, but no, he's just like I've been on TV before. I don't care. He's like not like this. You have okay. no idea what shitstorm's coming. Right. This is going to be in America on NBC. It's going to be in Sweden. It's going to be in all these places. And, and obviously, the reference NBC, a real news network. Yep. Uh, just just to make you feel again like this is a real thing that was going on to mm-hmm. kind of question wait what um and that's what i said that would be what they nailed the most was yeah. the true to life feel of the of like this it. is definitely a documentary right. not a mockumentary it's, yeah, it's one of not the most a, realistic mockumentary it's not a mockumentary like best in show yeah it's not a comedy it's not spinal tap no that's what's tough about the the mockumentary title mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but, the word mock sounds Almost like you're making a mockery. Yeah, of yeah. Like it's, it's going to be a comedy. It's just like a mocked up, meaning mm-hmm. like a faked mm-hmm. version of a documentary. I believe, doesn't the film end with a hand over the camera? Is uh, that, it doesn't end with that. But the, that's the, the, near the, the end. To, in one of the cuts back to the, the uh, courtroom, yeah. uh, he's yelling at the cop like you're a piece of shit and, and you guys are all going down for this. You killed a bunch of innocent people unjustly because you wanted to. Yep. Uh, the cop runs up and puts the... And, the, and and honestly, in that scene, one of my favorite things about that was this, there's an 18. This is a, a, another thing that still happens today. Um, you know, it, they just changed the law here within the last few years that people who smoke cigarettes have to be 21 instead of 18 now. Right. I don't know if you're listening to this somewhere where that's not a thing, but uh, in Massachusetts, it slowly went town to town, and eventually, I think it's mm-hmm. pretty much the whole state. Um, drinking, you have to be 21. To rent a car, you have to be 25. A, a still a huge problem in this country yeah. whether i don't care what side of politics you're on this is a problem for everybody you can to be 18 vote. and you can go to iraq to vote you can be younger to go to iraq than you can to vote yeah i mean that's that's crazy that's an insane thing but this yeah. is what they addressed in this movie with uh one of the people that shot uh he genuinely thought that they were throwing rocks at him and he kind of panicked and and he started unloading on unarmed 
prisoners, pretty much you yep, would call them. I don't like know what a, you would call them at this point. Tribunals or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, no, they they're they're prisoners. Yeah. So he shoots. They're and, technically inmates. And then uh, the documentarian is saying like, "Why did you do that?" And he was like, "It was an, it was an accident. He's it was like an a, accident." He's, he's like, like a, a kid. kid. Yeah. He's eighteen years old. And they address so they address this problem. They also say, "Are you really eighteen? Like they make a because you can, might, you can yeah, fake your age to get in. That's right. uh, what Captain America did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, yeah, that's you know, right. And, um, and that's just such a trope from war movies, especially yeah. World War One and Two movies. It's it's just it, it is. I sincerely think it's um, however you want to look at it. I think uh, and and maybe you are uh, someone who's seventeen. 18th birthday went straight to the to the you know the army and was like this is great right. and then you got a great education because they paid for it uh you know the the military treated you great you and your family have a house now and you're a lot older and you're done and yeah that might have worked out for you but this is a this is bad for a lot of people this is a problem that we have you're taking 18 year old kids before their birthday and brainwashing them with uh we're you're gonna make so much money you're gonna buy this brand new 69 it wouldn't be brand new but you would be buying like a fresh 69 corvette or (laughs) whatever it is like you can afford to do these things and and we'll pay you for your college they fight you on once once you're done they'll fight you around every corner on giving you that Mm -hmm. money for your housing for giving you money for 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 school and then look at all the veterans that are outside homeless that the va turns down Mm -hmm. when they have mental issues Mm -hmm. so this movie, I love that they addressed it because I think that's a huge problem now. Again, like I said, 57 years later, oh, yeah. we are not. We are so many things politically are still stagnant. It doesn't make any sense, and I think that that's one of the things that outraged me about the movie. Like that's, it made me mad because I, it just was so like they they were addressing this 57 years ago, and you mean to tell me that these problems haven't changed? Yep. Like they, it wasn't that they weren't socially aware because the whole movie revolved around the director, the real director. Not the mockumentary director, but the actual director, because uh, he wrote it and the cast and everything. They were clearly socially aware of the problems with this stuff, how African Americans totally. and people of color and minorities were being treated, and how, but uh, you know, people were too young to be going to war. The kid shot off uh, at a bunch of innocent people because he's just a kid and he panicked. Right, and that—that's just that's what we do still exactly. <laughs> in 2018. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I mean. Uh, it, it's a very it's one of those movies I think you should you have to see yeah I think it's on the list of like if I was a film school professor I mm-hmm. would put it on a list of movies that every student should watch because not not necessarily because I think it's the greatest movie ever but because it's a unique movie right and I've never seen something quite like it yeah, I, I loved the, the, the realistic mockumentary thing. Some, a believable mockumentary. Right. It's not District 9. It's it's this... Right. You, could, you could be tricked. Right, and it's weird difference, too, from the... The first two movies were your straight-up dystopia movies, mm-hmm. which are usually a future that's bad based on our current state of the world. And right. so it's kind of cool to look back at a future dystopia made for a present in an alternate universe i guess yeah that's it you know that didn't add any uh nikes that tie themselves right right or, or futuristic overtones. it was know. like no this is going to happen next year not not 100 years or 20 yeah. years from now so but yeah that's punishment park all right so should we jump to the verdict yeah you want to just go right into it uh yeah after this break all let's, right let's get let's down do to it. those movies better 
All right, so before we give you our verdict on whose movie is better, uh, just wanted to remind you again uh, a way to support the podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Facebook. All of those are at My Movies Better. Uh, we also have a Facebook group. Yes, I was going to get to that. All right, cool. Sorry. Right, no worries. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we have an email. It's mymoviesbetter at gmail.com. If you want to uh, pitch any ideas or ask us any questions or just get our thoughts or just tell us a story. Tell us a, a movie-related story and we'll read it. Uh, and if you've got the old rotary dial, you can uh, do take your old rotary dial and, and dial up 323-MY-MOVIE. Yeah, we have a phone number. Do you yeah. know how cool that is? What other podcasts? Probably a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we got that. And now, like like you said, I, I got this, 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 I said we should just do a group. I mean, that's that's where I feel like uh, we we interacted was because I made a, a wrestling group uh, for wrestling. Totally. Nerds. And um, it's really cool. You just go to the Facebook, facebook.com slash mymoviesbetter. It'll have the group link there. Or you can just search the group out. Um it's really dope. It's not just for podcast fans. You don't even have to listen to this podcast after this episode. If you don't want to, just talk movie shit with us. Just be a nerd and talk movies. Uh, it is definitely so far where we have been the most uh, interactive. It's where we've been talking to people and starting threads and, and where we kind of... We're, we're going to speed up the process on Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter. And, you know, we haven't been doing a lot over there. But uh, on this group, it, it's the fastest way to get a hold of us, too. Uh, just tag us on there and... and you know yeah and we do fun stuff like random polls like which arnold schwarzenegger would win in a fight against all the arnold schwarzeneggers <laughs> exactly uh, uh it's where we get people to vote on on the yep what the listener picked podcast i mean yeah, uh, so movie guys, would be. remember you guys choose the movie yeah so vote on yeah. stuff and i just, know you guys give us great great stuff all the time but remember we've seen like a lot of movies yeah <laughs> we so want ones to, we have try to come out of left field um, we still, there's one, I don't know what it was, Cat from Space or something like that. Cat from Space. Was one of the movies pitched to us that I still want to see. Yeah. That, but it, it just I'm, didn't fit the theme like they said it did. I'm intrigued. I, I want, I want to see what that is. Just yeah. to, just to do and a. Honestly, even if you haven't seen it, like just look up the theme and if you, a movie sticks out to you and you, you want to watch it. Yeah. I mean, let we, us we know. get the spoilers you want to hear about it. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh. Eventually, we'll have a really cool setup with Patreon. We have a lot of stuff coming, a lot of bonus episodes we're working on, a lot of uh, little side projects that if you're in the group, you'll be uh, ahead of the curb. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so with that all said, and now you know how to support the podcast, we also have a lift code. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a way to support us yeah. financially. I mean, we're going to have other ways, but uh, right now... Uh, if you haven't used Lyft and you want to get a few bucks off your first fare, just use the code MyMoviesBetter. And if you Sick. have heard of driving for Uber and Lyft, I need to make money. And this is how I do it. I drive for Lyft. And it is very flexible. I make crazy money. I'm, I'm going back to school and I do you know this podcast and, and the Three Jabronis podcast. I now moderate two groups on Facebook. <laughs> I have to run all this social media. I don't have uh, that much time, but I like that I can yeah. just do it when I want to hey, do it, and, and may, it's maybe, crazy money. Maybe someday, Russ will be able to give you a ride to the movie theater. Oh, shit. Maybe yeah. you'll get me. You live in Massachusetts. And Request a lift. We could listen to the podcast. Yeah. I'll be there, too, in the front seat. <laughs> exactly. So when you sign up, use the promo code MyMoviesBetter, and uh, you'll be putting a little 
money in our pockets. We spend a lot of time on this, and mm-hmm. it, right now it is a completely just free to do yeah. thing. Uh, also, another way to uh, support us is to if you have Apple Podcasts, go on there and rate, review, subscribe. If you have yeah. Google uh, Play, another place you can do that. Um, yeah, but in the meantime, us. follow us on like SoundCloud and Stitcher, whatever you listen to podcasts yeah. on. And Make drop, sure you give us a follow. Drop us a rating. I don't just mean like give us a five star rating. Like if you have things you want us to do or do differently or mm-hmm. whatever, let us know. You yeah. know, if you want to give, give us, us a four and tell us how yeah. we could change it to a five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no worries. Or All two. Right. Please don't do that. I mean, but if you feel that way, yeah, for give sure. us a, give us a five. Come give on, us guys. a reasonable. Give us what you truly believe. All right. We deserve. So on to the verdict. All right. Uh, so you went first. I did. Episode one, I went first. Episode two, so it is back to you again. No, I think it was the other way around. Was it? Yeah. I want to hear yours first. All right, well. So it doesn't even matter. We we don't have to take turns. We'll we'll run them down, because you make noises, but I give numbers or or (laughs) grades. So let's see. Uh, All right, we'll go in reverse order. So preface, Punishment Park. I think everyone should see this film, however... I don't give it a very high rating because I think it was, as a film, it was really jumbled. Uh, There wasn't fantastic or even, I would say, out of this world, different sort of cinematography from what Mm -hmm. you'd see in any documentary of the time. Yeah. Um, It's certainly not groundbreaking. Uh, So for me, I'd probably give that, we'll say 79. It's a C plus. It's... But it's important still. So maybe like a B minus. Yeah. Um, Dread uh, gets a little bit of a higher grade because I think it was a pretty good movie. And for the type of movie it was, it was a great movie. Mm -hmm. So I would say 87. We'll give it a, or 88, B plus. (laughs) We're going to give it a B plus. And Brazil is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I can't give it anything lower than a 95. Oh, wow. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect to me. I love it. I think it's great. I know yours is going to be lower, but that's okay. <laughs> I I just got to go with my gut here. So yeah. That's it. Um, so, uh, yeah. This was a, a rough week for me. See, this is the thing, is that if you were to make me watch... This is it's a weird way of me scoring uh, this. If you were to make me watch these movies again, uh, and I got to choose, uh, you know, priority, uh, you know, what I'm gonna watch first. I want to watch Dread because it's fucking awesome to me. Uh, second to that, I'd probably go with Brazil because it was funny. You know, what I mean, I thought there was a lot of shit in there that made me laugh. Uh, and then probably Punishment Park last because it just makes me just angry, but also really bored. And I don't mean that in a, a, a condescending way to whoever likes the movie, because uh, I think it's really powerful at the same time and really important. Um, but I mean, I'm not I'm not going to watch uh, all the money in the world twenty times. It was a really slow paced yeah. movie, and I you know what you know what I mean. Um, but what I'll say is that Punishment Park got a come on. Um, I'm going to say. <laughs> Brazil got a what the fuck, and dread, yeah. So that's what I give the movies. Uh, so whose movie was better for you? Are you going to stick with your pick, or are you going to? 
I can't, in all good consciousness. I think you already gave us the answer with your point. Dread over Brazil. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Yeah, I understand. So yeah, I'm sticking with my pick. I think I think Brazil is one of the greatest films of all time. So all right, we got two different picks here. Deadlocked. Yeah. So that means it's a this tie. This is the first time. This is the first time we do the flip a coin thing. Oh, did shit. you even prepare with a coin? No. Um. So my pick. What do you think my pick is? Dread. Think I'm sticking with dread, or you are bound in the need to the listeners if I'm not picking uh, your movie. I don't think you. I mean, if you are, if you are gonna pick Punishment Park, I'm gonna call it a fucking work. No. If you pick, if you pick dread, it's a shoot for all your non-wrestling nope. fans. I'll give a. I'll give it. This is my honest feeling about it. Mm. I think. I'm partial to Dread just because I loved Judge Dread when I was a kid, and I'm not the biggest comic book nerd. I'm not that knowledgeable. I know you are pretty knowledgeable, um, but I love it. I love the the aspect of it, and I'm a huge action star uh, mark f- for people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the the running around. Everybody dies. This movie had no love story. It had no sidekicks. It, it was just we're going in, we're killing some people. Um, I do think, even though it bored me. I think overall Punishment Park is definitely the best movie we watched okay. uh, as a movie. I think uh, as a film itself, legitimately, is a great movie. Uh, and that's the whole point of what movie is better. It's not what movie did I prefer. I think that's definitely the best movie. So I'm bowing the knee to the listeners. Wow. So we're still yeah. going to need that coin. That's just my, I just have my <laughs> member berries and my nostalgia goggles on yeah. for Dread. And I'm self aware of this. So I'm not okay. going to bullshit them and say that their movie wasn't better than mine. I definitely say this was a harder choice for me, even though my rating was so much higher. Because, like, I'm a big, big yeah. fan of action movies. Yeah. I think your rating system, too, is more of like your personal feelings of yeah. movies and what it does yeah. for you not what you think it was as an actual movie right. overall but i think like for me like the things that i said earlier mm-hmm. that i detracted from punishment park um are the exact reasons why i like brazil mm-hmm. um and the use of the the use of of all these different ways of filmmaking put together Mm -hmm. i think it's super influential on a whole realm of filmmaking that would become really really popular for the the remainder of the 80s and into the 90s you know um again i might be wrong here but i'm pretty sure labyrinth came out after um which was also a movie that was directed or maybe not directed but at least written by terry jones from monty python and used a lot of the same stuff the Character puppets, animatronics, yep. you know. I am a massive mark for that movie, by the way. Perfect. Mark and just so, means I'm like a full-fledged nerd to the point that it's just kind of like sad. Right. And it's I, great I also think maybe the thing that puts it especially over the top for me is is that it's it has a certain quality to it that you don't normally find in movies like this. Mm-hmm. Punishment Park also has it. Dread does not. Um, where... The ending, just like 1984, is not a happy ending. The yeah. character loses to the overwhelming force as opposed to rising up and defeating it. Right. Um, and I think that that, for me, makes it 
makes those two movies I would definitely put higher than Dread for that reason, even yeah. though I scored it lower. Because <laughs> again, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's just what I want to watch. I'd rather watch Dread than Punishment Park by about a, a million. Yeah. But. So now we have to flip a coin. Uh, so it's me uh, fighting on behalf of the viewers against the evil tyranny of Kevin Harden. I have a coin around here. Somewhere. You have a whole bowl over here oh, of cash, right? There right. must be change in right. there. I couldn't, I didn't see that. All right. Who's going to flip it? Um, I'm going to flip it, but we're not going to catch it and flip it over. All right. We're literally going to flip it and where it lands is what where it, it lands. Where it lands. It could go anywhere. All right. Them's so, the rules. Um, you're going to call it in the air because the oh, listeners can't call it. I'm okay. doing this for you guys, so I'm flipping this. All right. And he's going to call it in the air. All right. I'm already going to call heads. Well, you wait till it's in the air. <laughs> Don't be a Spoiler dick. alert. All right, ready? It's in the air. Tails. Wow, Swerve City. What is it? Oh, it looks like Tails. Let me see. No, it's not. Don't you dare touch that. Don't you dare touch that. The listeners. He, he, listeners, he's taking a photograph. I'm not taking it. I'm just using my flashlight. It's Tails. It I'm is sorry, tails. guys. I failed you. Brazil is the winner. Insert Brazil theme music here. So your movie was better. That's right. All right. Well. So once again, you you were trying really hard to give the listeners a win. <laughs> no, I genuinely believe that their movie. <laughs> I know. Was a I believe movie. you. I'm just fucking with you. Uh, so it's two to one to zero. Yep. That's Come our on. current record. Uh, no, I will say that this was the tough like i think i just said this was the toughest choice yeah out of the three so all right well with that said That's it. uh we'll see you we'll see you next week or yeah. we'll see you on another time or we'll see you in your dreams yeah or in space or in a in a lift to the movies yeah you never know okay goodbye all right give us a call <laughs>